Hey, Mirka, thank you for coming in today. Wow. <laughs> I was looking at your background and, and we've been working together and sitting on this uh, impact advisory board for YPO, but just a tremendous history of contribution and accomplishment and innovation. And uh, I mean, you name every dimension, you, you do it. You're very active. Uh, uh, very, uh, very innovative, very inventive, a great leader. Uh, just your background is just tremendous, and it continues this uh, history of contribution. So, really, I appreciate you coming in and sharing your insights with our audience. Thank you, Stephen, for those kind words. <laughs> so, Mirka, you know, you do have this amazing history, and we're going to mine some of this history. In fact, <laughs> going to all of the detail will probably take like half a day there's just so much here or a day and so i recommend the audience you've got to look at this background the profile that published the interview there's just so much richness in uh, what you're doing and continue to do what you've done in the past and so on so but what were these you know, maybe two or three inflection points that made this wonderful person you are today and this wonderful career you have both in the personal professional side and it could have been something that happened when you were three or five, something in the family, outside the family, something that happened in school. What were those magic moments that created this wonderful person? Thank you again, Steve. Um, well, I I do go back to my childhood. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm active in the water industry. <laughs> and I, I joke that I actually have water running in my veins, both my parents uh, were water professionals. My dad was a professor and conducted research in municipal drinking water, wastewater. My mom was from the field. In fact, they met in the lab. So dinner conversations growing up was about water treatment. Every vacation, we had to stop at some stinky treatment plant. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is awful. I'm going to get as far away as possible from it. Um, but in reality, I came back uh, as I realized later on that you know it's such a strong uh, purpose and it can be a a um, multi generational commitment that I can carry forward from from the wonderful work my my dad has done to now carrying it into the world from a commercial perspective. So definitely the um, the ex early exposure to water treatment and what it means for this blue planet uh, that we live on and how critical it is for life uh, to have access to clean water. So I would say that one was definitely a first one. Um, Having grown up in a in a family that's so dedicated to a purpose, I I wanted to make sure I uh, have my own contributions to the well-being of this planet. And uh, I, initially, I wanted to join the UN. In fact, I even did an internship in Geneva uh, during my undergraduate time. Loved it. I loved the international exposure. I loved the you know being at the poles of of topics that are moving the world. Um, and wanted to absolutely pursue that uh, career to save the world. My goal was I'm going to save the world, um, naive as I was back then, right? Um, but they all recommended to me, don't do it. Don't join. Don't start in the UN. Go to industry. It's the same skill sets. Learn your project management and all that in the private sector and then come back. And so I did. I started with Siemens, a big German corporation dedicated to technology. And I think that's the third inflection point. Um, realizing how much um, opportunity there is uh, as a company, as an organization, to do good, uh, use business as a force for good, uh, providing infrastructure that is so critically important 
for communities around the world, whether it is energy um, or otherwise. And then, and then Siemens did me a favor and acquired a water business in 2004. And that's when the whole circle came back together and I joined uh, the water business within Siemens. And, and since then I have been active in the water space. So I, I think you know, the combination of that strong family legacy, that strong desire to drive impact and contribute with what I can, and then and using water as an opportunity on this blue planet to uh, make sure that we have access to clean drinking water and and uh, support our communities that way. Wow, I, I mean, so I can now understand the, the family aspect and then the purposeful aspect as well, because that's sort of like the lifeblood of your family. And then mm -hmm. taking that on, and then you get this opportunity, you're thinking UN and people say, no, go into private industry. And then you, you get this, uh, opportunity with Siemens and you end up in water. So it's it's, it's confluence of all of these major uh, forces to create this uh, wonderful career you have, but also on the professional and personal side. Now, um, you talk about a little, let's mind a little bit about your education, uh, what you do in your undergraduate to graduate and then for your PhD. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I joke, I'm usually the only non-engineer in the companies I'm involved in. I studied um, business and social sciences in my undergraduate, um, as well as my master. Uh, I finished a master in international management and, and social sciences. And then my PhD is in uh, social sciences, organizational sociology, to be exact, focusing on inter intercultural management. Uh, I was looking at, you know, we have all these wonderful formal processes, target setting and processes, and they're great. And yet, uh, do they really explain how we bridge all these cultural differences across the world, especially if we're an international company? And how do you make that happen? And really came back to the human infrastructure of organization. And that really is how we connect and combine, come together uh, to make an organization go, even when there's such diverse, complex cultural influences on on a company. So it, I'm a huge, strong believer in the human capacity. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, social sciences um, really have a system kind of approach sometimes as well, I think, and it's very right. interdisciplinary. Uh, that's what I find when I, I talk to people who have a science, social science and business background. In fact, uh, a gentleman who actually invented the term data science, his PhD is in sociology. Hmm. Um, but in his uh, undergrad, he, he did statistics and math, and then he ended up, uh, but it's that social sciences seems to be a great uh, crucible for doing any kind of work, it seems like, and really making a significant contribution. So I can see how that was the catalyst for all the things that you're doing now. And as you mentioned, the fundamentals are, are people. Okay, so, so your first job then was Siemens, or was that your second job? What's, what's your job history? Yeah, so I joined uh, Siemens. Um, uh, my first role was in South Africa on a project in uh, Kinshasa, the Congo. And then from there moved to Germany, uh, which was a bit of a cultural shock. I'm German, I'm joking there, but really had a strong drive to, to go um, abroad, uh, spend some time in China, then Indonesia, then Bangkok. Um, I was part of the in-house uh, strategy team, strategy consultant team. So send around the world on, on assignments, which was wonderful to nurture my, my sense of adventure. 
um, had the opportunity to work uh, with um, people in all kinds of countries. And then in 2009, I moved from strategy into water, became the head of strategy M&A for the Siemens water business. And from there into product management and innovation, Siemens carved out the business in 2014 and we became private equity owned. So the, the company changed its name to Evoqua Water Technologies, uh, stayed on there as a general manager part of the business um, through our IPO in 2017. Uh, which was a wonderful, thrilling experience. Um, in 2019, I joined Denora Water Technologies. That's uh, an Italian family-owned company, uh, headquartered out of Milan, Italy, but with manufacturing plants around the world, dedicated to disinfection filtration technology. So I did that the last four years, uh, did the successful um, IPO there on the Euro next in 2020. Uh, two, if I am correct. And um, since uh, three months now, four months, I'm now a CEO of Aquis Vets. We're a portfolio company of uh, Bank Capital Double Impact Fund. And uh, we are dedicated to um, filtering contaminants of concerns, such as PFAS, get that out of the water. Wow. Um, I mean, you work with one of the largest uh, conglomerates in the world. Siemens, you get this uh, tremendous opportunity to get into uh, management, but also in water. And it's like Germany, China, Thailand, Indonesia, the United States, South Africa. <laughs> and that'll give you a really great multicultural sort of inclusive approach because you see all of the differences in these different cultures and how things are done. And then you end up uh, being the vice president and general manager at, Evoqua Water Technology, and you end up doing an IPO, which is which is quite difficult. I mean, there's a lot of work required, right? And that would be really eye-opening for you. And it's also rare too to get that opportunity. And then you, you then you end up uh, also with uh, uh, working in, in another IPO as well uh, with an Italian company, I think you mentioned, right? So uh, that's Denora Water Technologies. Correct. Where you were the CEO, in fact, the first female CEO uh, working in filtration and the global footprint in the water uh, industry. And, and again, uh, going public again. So that's two successful IPOs. And, and then you um, are the president chief executive officer of Aquas Vets. And, and it's associated with Bain Capital, which is also a, a well-known um, venture group. So that's that's an amazing uh, real uh, history here. So what are some of the lessons you've learned then in terms of water, working with these water sort of focused uh, companies? I mean, what, what are the lessons that you want to share with the audience and what, what are the challenges that are upcoming? Uh, I guess scarcity could it would be one of them. Uh, I guess climate would be intersecting with this. I mean, so what are your views of water? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in general, um, one of my goals is to make water a stronger part of the sustainability discussion. We talk a lot about climate change and sustainability. The energy industry has done a tremendous job in narrowing it down to one KPI carbon. 
And and now we're all focused on decarbonization. And I don't I can't tell you how many panels I've been sitting on having to explain uh, the decarbonization strategy of my business. And of course, we have one. But as a water space, I feel like we're missing the point. Um, we're missing the point of positioning why there should also be a water sustainability strategy. We are the blue planet. This is the only planet that is defined by water, as far as I know. And um, so there is an opportunity for us to, and, and a responsibility, I think, to make sure that we take care of this blue planet. Um, and and of course we can we can re reference all of the statistics of the 2.4 billion people that live without access to clean water and, and the impact that has on on human health, right? I mean, um, they say 400 children under the age of five die every year, that's 10,000 per day. Or the other statistic the UN has is that um, every 10 seconds a human being dies from a water-related uh, issue. So it's important for human life. It's, it's uh, you know, then we have all these catastrophic events, uh, the, the disasters, the floods, the droughts, um, that equally cause uh, pain and grief to a lot of people. So. And then we need water in, in our industry, right? If we say, okay, let's forget about us humans, but for our economy, if we're purely economic driven, water is part of most every industrial process as well. So we have an, a, a need, a responsibility to take care of this water. But as an industry, we have failed so far to make it easy. Usually when you ask a water professional, what's your key KPI? Well, it's not that easy, right? There's multiple key quantity and quality and influence. And we make it so complicated that we lose the audience and don't manage to create a momentum um, that is easy enough for the public and for everyone to understand, to support that goal and mission to help drive sustainability of water. So I think there's an opportunity for us in, in the water space and a need to come together and define something practical so that we can uh, have water become a stronger part in the in the sustainability discussion. Yeah, I mean, water is so crucial to all life. So it's not just humans, it's all life really on the planet, right? And, and it's a major part of our ecosystem. In fact, it's the largest part of our ecosystem is yeah. water. And the intersection of water with really every one of the sustainable development goals or the uh, 30, 232 measures or the 169 targets. In some way, water can influence all of them and because it's so integral to who we, who we are. So do you, so you're thinking we've lost this sort of message to be at the forefront and priority because of the complexity that's being put forward and really we're making it too complex. I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, I think if we can could come together as a as an industry or as, as thought leaders um, and define something simple enough that it's meaningful and it and it helps us to um, drive momentum, create that um, fellowship that people understand and and can follow along, whether it's in from a business perspective or from a community perspective. Um, that would really help to get more momentum going. So that's one of the discussions I'm hoping to have at the uh, upcoming uh, Global Impact Summit um, in Rwanda. Uh, I'll make the call to action there too. <laughs> so is there then some kind of association or alliance that can, for, uh, that can do a force multiplier on the branding message about water and get a concrete message? Uh, you know, some pivot points that are required to create some focus or 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 not there there must be some kind of alliance you belong to right 
Yeah, there's there's conversations we're having. I think Blue Tech Forum is is um, maybe amongst the most vocal. There's other you know industry leaders that are voicing it, but we haven't come together yet as you know common statement or common approach. So that would be interesting then forming a water alliance. Mm. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of a water alliance, right? From a country yeah. standpoint private industry, uh, NGOs. I mean, everybody, I can't think of anybody who wouldn't support it. It's like healthcare or yeah. hunger or poverty. I mean, everybody would get behind it. And uh, then you get a branding method and then you can use large language models to produce the key messages. Uh, I'm just thinking, uh, uh, or, or working with some of the advertising associations who are it's interesting. I had a conversation with the chief executive for an advertising association, and they want to partner with some key messages that have impact. I think you would be perfect uh, because yeah. of your, your, it's in your DNA. Or uh, I had a request, another request, which was water-based, and they were looking for experts. I'm going to mention you, <laughs> refer to you, because you are like sort of a renowned water expert. Do, 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 you, do you think you can coalesce some kind of an alliance then because of your profile and the, and the strong sort of mission that you have and perspective and passion? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I hope that's that's where the, the journey leads. I won't be able to do it on my own. I've learned that a long time ago that that we need a village to come together of, of uh, individuals, um, leaders that share that passion and, and can all contribute from their perspective with their skill set and capabilities and and we can create something together but i'm i'm absolutely on the on the journey of trying to find uh, like-minded uh friends to help me on this on this path and that's why you were mentioning the young presidents organization which is ypo that's uh, ypo represents young presidents organization of which you're a key member and then uh, the global impact summit which is a which is this community coming together in Rwanda and, and really literally under two weeks to, to look at uh, force for good, business for good, coming together and working together. And, and you're gonna be the driver of that message with your colleagues, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. And you can form your initial alliance within the YPO community and then expand from there. <laughs> yes, that's that's one of my goals now. <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, Bernard, Coatswatch is going to be there, and he's the head of the Innovation uh, Accelerator at the World Food Program, and water, mm -hmm. water is so integral to food. Correct. And they have massive amount of countries that are beyond what they uh, that work with them. He'd be a good one to partner with. I'm just thinking brainstorming. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he can bring all of his communities into what you're doing as well. Right. So that's amazing. Do, do, do you get interest from governments then? Like... Uh, have you had interest from governments in the work that you're doing where they say, you know what, we want to be with you on what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, usually the, the so we serve municipal uh, um, utilities. So we are working with governmental agencies. As everyone else, they have their budgets and, and their budgets are driven by election cycles and, <laughs> and signed that way. And I've yet to see that you win an election promoting to, it's the stinky treatment plan, right? You win it on school and other topics until it fails and we have a problem like we have around the world uh, and dis issues and then and then we need to invest. But it really the, the infrastructure has been built 
in in the 19th century it's you know anything that's been built that long ago you know material fatigue is falling apart so it's underinvested and it hasn't been built for population growth urbanization so the infrastructure that we have is in dire need not not just in developing countries in the developed world europe us to have um, major investments and so uh, you know, getting the, the acknowledgement of the need to put the investment in place to then uh, establish the infrastructure, the technology. The technology, I always say, is the easiest part. We have, me and my uh, colleagues from other companies, the technology is available, I really think. Um, it's more like, where is the investment coming from to help us uh, put in place an infrastructure that is suited? I see. So, um, uh, so that would really make it, difficult in some ways, right? Because like you said, it lynches election cycles and getting it to the forefront as a priority. And as you indicated, also the infrastructure is aging and needs to be replaced or upgraded. And, and, and this is a systemic issue in every part of the world, whether it doesn't even exist in the developing parts of the world or it exists, but it's failing in the developed parts of the world. So it's a universal global issue um, and you're at the forefront of it. <laughs> so, so it sounds like a great uh, great opportunity is just getting uh, the message out, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I would see this as being a, a driver within the Time Impact Awards as well. Have, have you talked to Simon McCohey or some of the other colleagues out there to get the message? No, out? not. What's your thought there? Um, um, so Simon was heading up time sustainability of which he's working on carbon right now with, with CO2, but he also reports to, uh, Mark Binioff who bought time and mm -hmm. time has their, um, time 100 awards, but they also have their time global impact awards. And, uh, this will be a perfect candidate for a, their global impact awards, right? Because it's so universal and systemic, uh, in every region of the world and it has to, it, and, you know, the, it has to be spotlight or elevated. So, uh, it, I would recommend reaching out. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. Good idea. I, uh, another one would be leaders on purpose. They hold a conference every year in September. In, in New York, so it's the same time as the YPO UNGA, or the same month as mm. the YPO UNGA. They hold something called Leaders on Purpose, and this would be a perfect message within that community. It tends to be multinationals, plus large private industry and the government is represented there. Um, so there is a website called Leaders on Purpose, and the two founders are on that website, Tatiana and Krista. Um, I would recommend reaching out to them to get involved within that community, get the mm -hmm. and again, um, bringing more power to bear on what's happening and how you want to, you know, elevate this so that it has this um, same kind of feeling like climate has now become, you know, major and uh, or uh, different aspects of healthcare and so on. So. I'm just kind of actively brainstorming in real time. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, so what what are your sort of near-term goals then, or I would say, and then longer-term goals? What what would you like to see happen, for example, in the company you're with right now? Just more um, proliferation of upgrading existing systems and so on? 
that would be uh, a, a, something that you could measure as well, right? Right. So right now, the, the company I'm with, Aquas Vets, uh, we're focusing on PFAS treatment. PFAS are forever chemicals that we have put in place as humans, uh, like Teflon or water-resistant clothes. And these chemicals make it into the blood of humans and have now uh, been proven to cause cancer. And so there's a big push uh, starting in the U.S. to remove the PFAS from the system. Europe is starting to talk about it too. And, and the wonderful thing is we have technology to remove it. And so there's a um, huge opportunity for us to uh, get these systems out and, and protect with a focus right now on the U.S. water systems, but then expand from there. I think it's an example of, of the unintended consequences of some of the wonderful innovations we have put in place and the consequences then on human health um, and the need for for putting in place technology to to alleviate some of those challenges. So certainly a, a, a huge growth opportunity for activist vets, and it's um, exciting to be part of an organization that is that is focusing on that um, and and using that again as a platform to promote a bigger picture uh, for the importance of you know taking care of our water resources. So. Um, can your technology be used then, because it's a problem in the oceans as well, so not just the municipal uh, water sources, it's a universal, any body of water, any water source has these contaminants, these uh, emerging concerns, right, contaminants of emerging mm -hmm. concerns. Can your technology be applied to massive sort of areas like oceans and things like because there's so many pollutants in there as well? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh... You know, it's this question of sizing. We we have sizes that treat from small rural communities all the way to big facilities. Um, in, oh, the ocean, right? You would have to have like a whole series of <laughs> of units. And and again, someone would have to put this in place. Someone would have to come up with the um, investment money to yeah. Where do you start and stop? So um, I think there's opportunities, um, but there also always needs to be a customer. Yeah, I, I, so the, there is sort of the localized regional um, issues, which which uh, it's it's much easier, right? Because it's localized and you can manage that and removing the contaminants. Is is it a long process, or um, does it scale really quite well in an in admissible or regional on a regional basis? I, I guess yeah. how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you have you have vessels with media. And you run the water through the west, through the vessels, through the media, and the media captures the contaminants, and and the outflow is safe to to consume. And then, what do you do with the captured contaminants? Are you able to repurpose them in some way, or? Yeah. So right now we're removing uh, the PFAS. Uh, there's no technology yet in place to safely destruct. So that's some of the research going on. How can we destruct the PFAS? Right now, we're just removing it from the water bodies. And we can recycle the media to use it again um, in, for multiple applications. I see. So that could be like an imagination into action. How can we take the PFAS and actually <laughs> either reuse it or recycle it in some way or separate it or something yeah. or be able to effectively get rid of it? And yeah. So that's an interesting challenge and, and requires research. 
that do the feds in, in the US, are they interested in investing in any of this at all from a, from a federal grant standpoint, like the National Science Foundation or something like that? In the technology, well, there's there's some grants um, uh, in the research side. I mean, I think especially the there's a um, investment promises for the utilities to invest into technology to remove the to remove the contaminants. So that's helpful. Okay, so and in terms of water and other areas that are concerned to you, can you can you talk about that? Um, for example, freshwater or uh, the glaciers uh, and what's happening with them. Do, do you have other sort of viewpoints that you want to express to the to the audience from a water standpoint? Yeah, no, uh, well, I'm focused on the treatment side, on the technology side. So um, usually my my area of scope is is um, industrial and municipal water that's already been used. I mean, we do have challenges around you know the 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 floods the extreme weather events which are through the glacier melting and other areas um some of them are less technology focused so that's less of my expertise <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what where, where do you see yourself then um in 5 to 10 years uh, uh continuing with this company or at some point evolving out or where where do you see yourself professionally yeah, well, I, I mean, I have to say I'm I'm very dedicated to the water space. I feel this is a space I belong into. I can give my contributions, um, and it's great to be part of, associated with an organization that has a strong purpose, right? Like the removal of contaminants. Unfortunately, I have to say that well, even if we get a handle of PFAS, there's going to be other contaminants of emerging concern. So uh, I, I think this is a great platform for me to to serve uh, in a particular organization, but also use that as, as a uh, as a springboard for a broader message. So using my affiliation with uh, YPO and others to to bring the attention to a broader level. Um, for me personally, it's uh, you know, one of my uh, passion topics is um, diversity, uh, using an organization to tap into all available talent, as I say, for the greater good of society. Um, I feel that the um, water space um, has been long a lagger in innovation. And it's not a surprise to me if we continue to ask the same people the same questions, we're naturally going to get the same answers. So if we want to drive innovation, if we want to approach it in novel ways, um, not just from a technology way point of view, but beyond business models, um, a solution approach, we will have to ask people with different backgrounds, unconditional, uh, un unconventional backgrounds, different experiences, we have to tap into those and allow them to ask different types of questions. And so uh, my goal is to also um, you know, build an organization that allows for, for that foundation of tapping into all available talent and coming up with very novel ideas Again, not just for the business, but for the greater good. Um, and you know, so my own personal moonshot is you know, to that create access to opportunity through diversity of thought, but unity of purpose around water. So that's really interesting. So uh, a unity of, uh, or a confluence of, or a unity of ideas, but from diverse uh, population viewpoints, right? And 
And that's where you're going to get more innovation, more novel ideas coming forward. It's kind of reminds me of Christensen and all at Harvard and their innovators DNA, uh, where they talk about questioning, observing, experimenting, associating, and networking. But the association part is getting diverse uh, viewpoints. And networking, again, is diverse viewpoints, right? And exploring, again, is diverse, uh, getting exploring in a diverse way and asking questions in a diverse way. And all of that comes from if you bring people from different backgrounds into this, this area. Now, um, you're a woman who has really succeeded in this space. Is is it is there equal access, equity in this space, or is it is there an imbalance from from that diversity standpoint as a senior executive? Are you rare or are you common? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm rare. Um early in my career, whenever I speak on a panel, I get the, the female question. And early in my career, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm here for my own right, not because I'm a woman, right? Um, I did a 180 degree shift a few years ago and I realized, why am I the only woman? Why am I only always the only woman, right? And so there's a role I have to play um, in becoming that lighthouse, right? Not that my way is the only way to do it, but showing that people with different backgrounds um, I'm social scientist. I'm not, um, I'm female. I'm now an immigrant living in the U.S., but with a European background. Right? There's multiple diversity categories, and and it's a unique path. But there's, I'm sure, other incredible talent out there that has a unique path. And so showing them that it's possible, but also allowing and tapping into that um, uh, access to opportunity, as I call it. Right there is. Uh, you know, a mainstream approach, you know, this is how we've always done it and and how we, we are, you know, it's a risk averse industry. And so I, I we need to allow ourselves to consider candidates that will not check all the boxes, but that will bring a breath of different experiences and viewpoints and perspectives. And for me, it's not a check the box activity. DEI is now so popular, right? Every organization has their DEI program. Uh, but it sometimes feels like lip service, right? It's um, in, we're, I'm trying to promote that we're not doing it just because we're good corporate citizens. We're doing it because it will drive innovation. We need the different viewpoints to get to new new solutions. So you mentioned YPO before, the Young Presidents Organization. How did you get involved with that? What was that process? Were you recruited or somebody recommended it or... And then how long have you been in it? And then what are some of the activities that you do with NYPO? Yeah, so I was, uh, it was recommended to me by someone I incredibly respect, which is my brother, <laughs> Martin Bilder. He's also a YPO member and very active in the sustainability space. So he uh, joined a few years before me and said, Mirka, you've got to join. This is going to be uh, really transformational for you. So I did in 2016. Uh, so I've been part of the organization for a while now. Um, have jumped in from the beginning, as always, the more you put in, the more you get out. So in the early years, I was very active in the Women's Business Network and found uh, incredible female leaders from very different industries, but sort of we had that common experience. So that gave me a lot of um, encouragement. Uh, I'm now um, active in the Doing Business Globally Network, a network that is dedicated to supporting members to drive business globally. Um, and I'm in the Impact Advisory Board together with you. So that is um, close to my impact uh, purpose um, and active in, in uh, the upcoming Global Impact Summit and other you know, events that drive purpose focus. 
So can you tell us, so a lot of people in the audience don't know what YPO is. Can you talk about what YPO is? Of course. So YPO, Young Presidents Organization, it's, an, it's a global organization of CEOs. Uh, there are certain access criteria of size of the organization you're leading. Worldwide, it's 35,000 members uh, from all kinds of industries. Um, we are organized typically by chapters, so regionally uh, in the region that you reside in. But then we have as a matrix networks around certain interest topics. Um, where you have affiliation by interest. So there's a sustainability network, there's the doing business globally network, there's um, uh, uh, the women's business network. So networks that bring together members with a certain interest and focus. And, and then uh, what YPO is dedicated to is lifelong learning. How can we become the best possible leaders? Um, and so we focus in these, you know, overall a lot of leadership development, a lot of personal growth reflection, but also, you know, in certain interest topics and uh, events um, around these uh, interest topics. So um, you're, you um, write as well, or, or you're, you're an author, or you do some um, blogging, or, you know, what's your writing sort of activity that you're <laughs> Well, I, I had um, I published my PhD and my master thesis in a different age, <laughs> in a different life. Um, I, I, my husband actually published a book, uh, Lean On, How to Support uh, Executive Women as They Lean In, uh, which was a, a research project he did um, working together with a lot of the male spouses of the female members. What is it like to be married to a headstrong woman? Uh, so you know, in our in our um, joint effort in, in, in supporting female leadership, uh, I'm currently not working on a book. I have a few ideas, but I'm currently um, uh, most active on LinkedIn once in a while with uh, some thought thought recommendations and and suggestions there. You won uh, quite a few different awards, like uh, the Global Water Intelligence as one of the top uh, twenty most powerful women in the water industry. Uh, one of the top 100 innovation CEOs, uh, one of the most admired CEOs, Titan 100, uh, Colorado top CEOs, uh, a top 100 under 50 executives, uh, emerging leaders, I mean, 40 under 40. I mean, uh, it kind of list goes on and on. Can you, can you talk about uh, how that happened? It, it's because of all of your leadership and, and what, what that did or did it empower you to get your message out more? I mean, what what were the benefits and how could you leverage it, I guess, as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's the pur the purpose. I mean, the joy is always to um, get recognition, not for me personally, it, it takes a village. Um, there's, I, I've been fortunate to have been able to work with incredible people that help to make success happen. And and so then it's, you know, that that recognition, not just for myself, but for a team that has worked hard on, on transforming an organization. I do think it helps to drive the message uh, towards the water space. It helps to drive the message towards um, unique career paths and, and it's possible to pursue, dare, dare to dream big and, and, and pursue um, ambitious goals. Um, what I'm trying to do is, is very actively mentor the next generations. So I have Female. I only mentor women. That's my my commitment uh, to the next generation. And um, uh, I have mentees in every single large water 
organization. I tried to bring them together in a platform that I call Diversity in Water, just again, to, to support each other, to have a community where you can test thoughts, but also where you can you know, see you know, different examples of careers and, and get that uh, support, peer-to-peer uh, -peer support to keep going. Uh, so that's my my personal mission to use uh, the platform that I have to encourage that um, uh, you know, tapping into all available talent and providing access to opportunity. I see. So that's why now, like you're a member of the uh, Gen CEO Women's Network in Germany, the International Women's Forum, or the IWF, the Forbes Women's yeah. Forum, <laughs> and you mentioned earlier the board of uh, of uh, doing business. Um, uh, business globally network and the impact uh, advisory board of, of YPO and a lot of the activity of YPO is just really just to get the word out to to bring uh, to bring ac action to your, the impact that you want to make and um, bring in all of this diversity. You also are a frequent public speaker on CEO panels. You just did a webinar with the Salesforce and so on. So. I guess that work's going to just continue. And you're even thinking of some books, as you mentioned, right? <laughs> yeah. But it'd be on water in some way, right? Well, no, I think it will be on, on leadership and diversity and, and uh, um, empowering uh, unique um, pathways. So. Right. And, and then um, have you ever thought of, of maybe holding classes and things like that? at the university level, just coming in as a guest lecturer or something, because you've got this PhD in, in international business and social sciences, and you have the master's in social science and business studies and so on. So you've you got the academic background, but you've got so much industry experience and society experience in bringing all of that into a, a, a sort of a teaching platform. Have you ever considered yeah. I, I would love to. I, I think that would be a fun challenge, again, to also investing in the next generation and empowering them. So that would certainly be something of interest. And and you have uh, children. Are, are, are they YNGers? Are they formerly, or are they too young yet? Or They're too young. So I have a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old. So we're, I'm bringing my 16-year-old to a YNG event this summer when he's 17. So I'm, I'm, I've asked him if he can bring him a little early. But yeah, so so we're getting him exposed soon. And just for the audience, YNGers are YPO next generation. So you're prepping the next generation, yeah. right? Okay, so we're down to our last maybe one or two questions. Is there any area that you want to bring to the audience that we haven't discussed yet? Sorry, I... I um, um, we had a little bit of a hiccup on, on the internet, so. I think we've covered the topics of passion for me, which is water, space, and diversity, so. Uh... <laughs> okay, so what, and this is the last question, what recommendations do you wanna leave for the audience? Yeah, well, I would say uh, dare to dream big. Uh, don't take no for an answer, right? Just because uh, we ha have always done it this way, doesn't justify that we continue to do it. We have a blue planet that we, this is our, our livelihood, we need to invest in it. And that's something that we can all impact. And I really encourage to tap into people from different backgrounds, uh, to hear different thought for, that requires courageous conversations. It requires listening to ideas that maybe aren't popular, 
um, but hopefully there is a nugget in there. So I really encourage you know that reaching out um, and and not going the mainstream way, but daring to dream big and and go bold. Yeah. Well, uh, Mirka, again, thank you for coming in and sharing so much of your experiences, your insights, your passion, your commitment, your success history, and all of the recommendations you gave and uh, throughout the entire uh, chat we had today. Just a marvelous, wonderful uh, individual you are and the contributions you're making is just amazing. So it's an honor to uh, have this <laughs> uh, dialogue with you in chat. So thank you again. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you for um, inviting me over. You have, uh, I'm, I'm impressed by all the uh, individuals you have um, interviewed in the past, and so it's an honor to be uh, among that list. Thank you. So we'll see you soon at the YPO Global Impact yeah. Summit. <laughs> see you soon, Stephen. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.